Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right. Welcome. It is Bowerland News Radio 930 WBEN with you on a Friday. Is it Friday already? And, uh, you know, it, it is It is kind of funny because uh, some of the same people who over the years have said, Tom, don't believe anything a government says. Always do your own fact-checking. Always do your own research. Uh, never believe what a government says because governments are based on propaganda. I- I'm supposed to put my critical thinking on hold if it's one government making claims about what is happening to its citizens. And I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry because... Uh, one of the things that uh, I have made it a point of doing over the years is going back over allegations that have been made against people and against governments and against organizations uh, about atrocities that were allegedly committed and in the heat of wartime and in the passion of red-hot fury, uh, people want to accept the worst possible scenario um, without the proper corroboration, uh, and I'm talking about courtroom corroboration, witnesses for, witnesses against, etc. And uh, I don't care what government says, what it says. I firmly believe that you can never make a bad move when you wait and you see until the actual facts come out, actual documented facts. Because frankly, too many times in history. Um, and you can go back to, well, you, you can go back as far back in history as you want to. You can go back to the crucifixion if you're so inclined to do it. But too many times in history, uh, in order to drum up support, governments have talked about uh, the atrocities committed against civilians, usually very small civilians. And we saw it in the First World War, as I mentioned yesterday, with uh, the Germans uh, and Belgians. We saw it more recently during the uh, Iraqi invasion of uh, Kuwait. And those stories proved to be baloney, nothing but malarkey uh, as far as, oh, yes, the the Iraqi soldiers came in. They ripped Kuwaiti babies off of incubators and threw them on the ground and took the incubators back to uh, Iraq. We saw it with the uh, Lusitania. Oh, the Lusitania was just an innocent passenger vessel carrying people to and fro from uh, Europe to the United States. So I don't care what government it is. Uh, I, I, I don't trust what governments say. 
and I think that you need to be very uh, deliberative about such things, especially when emotions are brought to bear uh, in a uh, in a situation. And you know, one of the things that uh, I've kind of learned over the years is when I receive an email, like the more outrageous the claims that are made in an email, the more I want to look up exactly what the basis happens to be for the claims uh, in an email, because generally those kinds of emails are designed to get you absolutely furious and to get you to take leave of your senses and any process of rationality that you ordinarily would have and abandon your core principles. And my core principles are never going to change. My core principles are, let's see what the facts are, let's see what the prosecution says, let's see what the defense says, and let's see who can make a case beyond a reasonable doubt. Um have atrocities been committed in wartime? Well, come on. What do you think? I mean, obviously, absolutely. And excuse me, but let's not pretend that the United States itself has not been guilty of horrific crimes against its own citizens, whether it is the Native Americans uh, and and the Great Plains and the lies with the Fort Laramie Treaty, uh, whether it is Wounded Knee or whether it is the Japanese being put in internment camps in the Second World War, like George Carlin always said, and I never fully appreciated this until uh, COVID, um, you don't actually have any rights in America. You have the illusion of rights in America, and the government can take them away anytime it wishes to. What you have actually is temporary privileges. You don't have any rights. So I, look, nothing, is, and, and don't take this as anti-Semitism. Don't take it as anti-Islam. Don't take it as anti-anything. What it is is I believe in getting to the facts. And I do know that it is axiomatic that in wartime, uh, the first casualty of any war is the truth. And as uh, Sun Tzu said, that all wars are won in the temples before they're won on the battlefield. In other words, that was a very early rendition of uh, hearts and mind. And, and look, I know that some of you don't like that and some of you don't appreciate that, but uh, that has been uh, the way I've operated for a long, long time. And that is, uh, it's, it's just never, it's never going to change. Uh, because you can never make a bad decision in life when you wait until all the facts to be presented to a candid world. And if, in fact, war crimes have been committed, then those responsible for the war crimes must eventually be caught and punished for what they did. And if it was fabrication, then that also needs to be taken into account. And I wasn't there. I have no idea what actually is taking place any more than, uh, than you do. And I'm sorry, but uh, actually I'm not sorry. Uh, I do not trust governments, including the American government, when it comes to various proclamations of uh, atrocities or anything else. Call me old-fashioned, but I'm a big believer in evidence and in proving a case. And if a case can be proven, then you take it from 
there. And I do know that uh, many groups over time tragically have been embroiled in genocidal situations. Uh, what the Turks did to the Armenians was absolutely disgusting. What the uh, Bolsheviks did to the Ukrainians and other people within the Soviet Socialist Republics, also absolutely repugnant. Uh, obviously, what the Nazis did to the Jews, repugnant. Uh, what happened to the Muslims during the genocide against the Muslims, absolutely repugnant. And unfortunately, there's no shortage of repugnant human activity out there. And I'm just not somebody, and it, look, experience has shown me <clears throat> over the years that as a bottom line, you can never go wrong by waiting for all of the information to come out. And if that is something that you guys applaud when it comes to somebody being charged with a sex crime against a woman, uh, as we certainly have seen happen uh, on more occasions than one in western New York in uh, the recent history, then I think on the uh, macro level, it's not too much to say, well, before I go and jump to conclusions and before I start getting myself into a sticky wicket, let me just make sure that all of the facts are as represented. And it's not easier in, in 2023 with uh, deep fake technology that is out there. Uh, the ability to fake videos, the ability to fake audios, the um, ability to have people allegedly say things that they didn't really say. It was all done through artificial intelligence. So, uh, you know, my bottom line, it's look, it's it's been this way for quite some time, and it's going to continue to be this way for as long as I work. And that is... I always like to wait until all of the facts come out before I jump to a conclusion. And quite frankly, that principle, that way of doing business, if you will, has never uh, let me down. It has always proven to be a very valuable um, analytical technique. Some people don't like it. I understand that. But when you swallow, uh, how do I say this? When you when you are all about emotion and not about logic and not about facts, I'm afraid that you open yourself up to kind of being used like a tool. And again, I like to see what facts are, what the evidence is to support the facts, what the counter arguments are to refute the facts, and then make a conclusion um, based on that. But look, I want to be very clear that any war crimes that have been committed by anybody in the latest round of what is going on in the Middle East need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Because without the law and some semblance of international law, what do we really have? And why, again, why do we have a body like the United Nations? Uh, we have a body like the United Nations in part because we learned lessons from World War One. We learned lessons from World War Two uh, that uh, in order to properly prosecute those who do not abide by the rules of, quote unquote, civilized warfare, that there are repercussions at the end of the day. And frankly, uh, you know, a, a great frankly, a great example of that. Uh, if I might just die. And I, I don't really want to get into this a lot today, but I feel like we just have some unfinished business from yesterday. But uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the shining examples of this was 
uh, back in the early 1960s uh, when Mossad was able to track down the notorious Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann. Now, Eichmann, and we talked about him the other day, he was one of these pencil-pushing mass murderers. And his job, I mean, imagine this as a job, and he took it very, very seriously. His job was to make sure as many Jews as possible were loaded onto trains in Budapest and then put on to railroads onto the death camps and the concentration camps. And he could sit there and pretend as though he wasn't a mass murderer when, in fact, the movements of his pens and pencils resulted in the deaths of millions and millions of people. And what I love about what the Israelis did in that situation, it would have been so easy for Mossad to have kidnapped Eichmann from his home on Garibaldi Street and taken him to a basement and whacked him and left him in a trunk with a note in the trunk like they did with uh, the butcher of Vilnius. I think it was Vilnius. Um, but they didn't do that. Instead, what the Israelis did, and they look, they caught hell at the time. And they caught hell from a lot of Jews, by the way, uh, who were scared that uh, the kidnapping of Eichmann from Argentina was going to result in anti-Semitism. And one very wise rabbi said, you know, I don't think you can create anti-Semitism where it doesn't exist. I think what you do is you bring it out where it is already latent. In other words, our doing this to Eichmann isn't going to make anybody suddenly hate Jews uh, people are going to hate Jews, and they're going to use this as an exa- another example of their irrational hatred. Um, the, but when, when you go back and you look at uh, how the Israelis managed that situation, um, it was, frankly, it was brilliant. What they did was incredibly illegal. However, Eichmann himself did sign a paper consenting to be tried in Israel. Uh, The matter was taken up before the United Nations. The United Nations had no problem with it. The Argentine government, the Israeli government, they had no problem with it. And eventually uh, Adolf Eichmann was tried. Uh, The victims had a chance to confront their uh, tormentor, and eventually Eichmann was uh, hanged and his ashes scattered at sea, a fitting end for such a horrible war criminal. But what the Israelis did, again, back in the early 1960s, maybe some of you weren't born, maybe to some of you Adolf Eichmann is just a name from the uh, history books, but the I, I call it the Eichmann template was a really excellent one. And what was another very important point about the Eichmann trial is that, and we got into this a little bit the other day, and again, I don't want to get into an all-Israel show today, but uh, some of these things I felt like we needed to maybe revisit a little bit. But one of the things the uh, Israeli did with the uh, trial of Eichmann is there was a, and, and I don't understand this, but there was a tremendous amount of shame among certain factions of the Jewish community and the Israeli population after the Second World War that how is the world going to view us because you know we we basically followed orders from these savage Nazis and marched ourselves into the death pits how is the world going to respect us 
And once it actually came out in open court, the techniques the Nazis used to calm people down, to try to suppress the rebellions that took place uh, at the various camps, um, they did a – I mean, what the Nazis did, they they took inhumanity to a level that was scientific in its approach and disgustingly scientific in its approach – And for the Israelis, what they did by affording Eichmann the opportunity to defend himself, however indefensible his situation might have been, uh, we found out what was going on in the twisted mind of Adolf Eichmann. Uh, He had a chance to explain what he claims that he did, and of course he claimed that he was set up by the other people who'd been previously tried at Nuremberg after the Second World War. Uh, But uh, the Eichmann trial, to me, is a great example of how to do things the right way when it comes to people who are accused of heinous war crimes. When you go back and you watch the videos, um, Eichmann was afforded a very fair trial, a lot fairer than a lot of us would have given Adolf Eichmann, believe me. Uh, But at the end of the day, justice was done, the case was proved, and I don't think anybody today sheds any tears over Adolf Eichmann. He deserved his fate, he earned his fate, and uh, his ashes are consigned literally to the uh, dustbin of history. But the bottom line is that even with Adolf Eichmann, who is responsible for so basically the the fruit and the pride of Hungarian Jewry destroyed by this man with a pen, and even in that situation, Israel afforded him the opportunity to defend himself. He had a German lawyer who also had been very active in the Nuremberg trials, and the Israelis understood the importance of presenting a case openly, allowing the defendant to offer his rather lame defense, and there's not a doubt in my mind that Eichmann was guilty, that justice was served, and it basically reinforced my very strong belief that uh, we need to follow as closely as possible whenever claims are made by anybody, by anybody, whether it's the Palestinians, whether it's the Israelis, whether it's the American government. We need to be very, very careful and very, very circumspect about making sure that justice is, in fact, done. And no, and we got into this a little bit yesterday and in previous shows, I I, I don't believe a lot of what the American government says. And if you want to know why, I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse, but you go back to November 22nd of 1963 and the murder of, of President Kennedy. And I make no apologies for saying this. There is enough information out there which would suggest that what was presented to us that Friday night and Saturday and Sunday before Oswald was murdered was not exactly the way things went down and that we were sold, in my opinion anyway, a terrible lemon by the federal government, by the American government, and uh, you can never, just to kind of put a bow on this, you can never go wrong by waiting for all the facts to come in, even with as horrible 
and as wretched and as savage a human being as was Adolf Eichmann. Um, and I think that, you know, many of you of uh, the Jewish faith with a very strong tradition in the law and legal processes, I think you understand from where I'm coming on this. And, and I hope you do, because uh, basically um, it's just it's very important that you get it right. And it's very important that you keep emotions out of things and you simply deal with facts, as the Israelis did with the trial of Adolf Eichmann. And if you're interested in that trial, uh, there's a movie with Ben Kingsley called Operation Finale, which is on Netflix. There's also a documentary, um, The Eichmann Trial, which will give you more insight into that. And I, I cannot make an apology for wanting to make sure that true justice is done regardless of the crime that is committed. You want to make sure that in the process of meeting out justice, you yourself do not become unjust. I don't think that's wrong. And uh, my goodness, you certainly should know my background by now. It certainly is not anti-Semitic uh, in any way, shape, uh, or form. Everybody deserves equal treatment under the law. Um, and I just I just don't think you go wrong using that uh, template mentally. It is uh, 229 at News Radio 930 WBEN. We have so many things coming up on the program. I barely know where to begin, so we'll get to them following the break at 2:30. Uh, we have Tanner Saunders at Master Control, Tom Puckett in the newsroom, and a team of thousands working to provide you with nothing but well hardcore mediocrity. The rest of today on News Radio 930 WBEN. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. Hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. I mean, we've, look, we spent a lot of time talking about the uh, situation with uh, Gaza and Hamas and Israel over the past few days. Have had some excellent phone calls. 
Um, and I, I just one thing I don't want is I don't want things to be misinterpreted um, as if, uh, well, you must support war crimes. You must support uh, inhumanity. No, I do not. But one of the things that I learned, uh, and I think the world learned from the trial of Adolf Eichmann, is that even the most despicable defendant deserves the opportunity to present a case. What does the prosecution say? What does the defense say? Where do the facts point? And what is the appropriate punishment? And I just, that, that's never going to change with me. Um, that is a part of my core beliefs. Um, and if somebody is guilty of war crimes, then they need to be punished to the maximum degree of the law. And let me just give you a for example of how to do things right if you're going to do things extrajudicially. And that is what the Israelis did in two separate instances, at least of which we know. Number one would be the targeted attacks, even though they got something wrong in this. They, the, is, the Mossad um, targeted those who were responsible for the murder, the massacre of the Israeli athletes uh, at Munich in 1972 at the uh, Olympics. The West German Polizei and security forces were absolutely not up to the task. Okay, They were terrible. And minute by minute, you can see all of the errors that were made, even allowing broadcast channels to show the locations of, hey, here's where the German snipers are who are going to take out the terrorists. Are you kidding me? There were so many mistakes that were made uh, at that time. But one of the things that I love about the Israelis is they took their time and they did their proper due diligence and they tracked down those criminals responsible for the massacre of those Israeli athletes. And they also did it, uh, of course, nobody wants to talk about it because uh, it would still fall under the uh, heading of Israeli national security, uh, but they uh, may very well have taken out some Iranian rocket scientists within the past 15 years or so. And as I mentioned uh, yesterday, uh, and again, this is what I call targeted and yet fair justice, even though it might be extrajudicial. Um, and I know that this might sound very hard to believe, but and you can look this up. It's a bona fide fact. There was a uh, Nazi commando in the Second World War, total egomaniac, known as the most uh, dangerous man in the world. His name was Otto Skorzeny. And this is a guy who... Uh, rescued, quote-unquote, Benito Mussolini from prison after he'd been captured originally by Italian partisans. And here we have a guy who was a hardcore Nazi. And guess who the Israelis recruited through Mossad to take out German rocket scientists who were helping Egypt with its rocket program, which was eventually going to be used against Israel? That would be the nation of Israel. And they basically, <laughs> Skortzani knew that he was being set up for a hit. So he basically got uh, the leg up on his uh, people he thought were going to kill him. And they basically said, uh, Mr. Herr Skortzani, we're not here to kill you. If we were, you'd already be dead. We need your help because you can save Israeli lives. 
And sure enough, Scorzani and his boys sent a very strong message to German rocket scientists who were helping Egypt uh, back during the very ugly days of the late 60s and early 70s. Um, And, you know, it's interesting how politics can make very strange bedfellows. And here you had this guy who was hardcore, and yet he was recruited by Mossad to take out a greater evil, which would have resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of, uh, of Israelis. So I mean, there, there, there's so much history out there that people uh, of which people are unaware. They don't want to know. They don't know. But when you get past the history and you get to your core beliefs, um, and look, this is true no matter what situation we happen to be discussing. Um, my core belief is very much in accordance with the Israeli core beliefs when they were able to get Eichmann out of Argentina and try him in an Israeli courtroom. Um, so the bottom line is, do I jump to conclusions based on what any government claims? No, I think that's irresponsible. Call me old-fashioned. I want to see the evidence. And as we learned in the Eichmann trial, the Israeli government and the survivors, they had compelling evidence that Eichmann was guilty as charged and he was eventually hanged for his role uh, in the quote-unquote final solution. Um, Atrocities are are horrible, obviously, by, by their very nature. Atrocities are horrible things. But as long as we have brains in our craniums and we're able to digest facts and give people the opportunity to present cases, to defend themselves against accusations, and then for justice to be handed out properly, I just I think that's the way to go. And after our own civil war, and I'll get off my soapbox here in just a moment, but after our own civil war, uh, President Lincoln, when talking about members of the Confederate government basically said, let them off easy. And it would have been so easy for the federal government to have hanged Jefferson Davis and Alexander Stevens and all of Robert E. Lee and all of the members of the Confederate bureaucracy following our civil war. Uh, The United States government did not do that. The only person, to my knowledge, who was hanged for war crimes uh, following our civil war was the commandant of the Andersonville prison camp, uh, a scumbag by the name of Henry Wirtz, who was from Switzerland originally, and he basically made a mockery of any sense of treating POWs with any sense of compassion, courtesy, care, or the basics of hygiene. Now, in fairness to uh, Mr. Wirtz, I would point out that the death rate in the Union POW camps for the Confederate soldiers was also alarmingly high. Right here in New York State, in Elmira, uh, there were prison ships off of New York Harbor, and Andersonville gets a lot of publicity as being the most horrible and wretched of the POW camps of our Civil War. Bottom line is, they were all wretched. They were all horrible. Was Henry uh, Henry Wirtz any different than people within the Union who decided that they were going to take out their rage against the Confederates, against Confederate POWs? I don't know. 
I wasn't there. Do I cry tears over the hanging of Henry Wirtz? No, I do not. Do I think that there might have been some Americans, uh, USA soldiers, who might very well have been charged as war criminals? Yeah, I do. Um, Sherman's March to the Sea would be a good example. That was basically burned to the ground terrorism in the United States, and it was committed by our army against people of the Confederate States of America. It was a necessary war measure at the time, and yes, it's always easy in retrospect to say, well, they ought not to have done that, but if you've got a war to win, you've got a war to win. But nonetheless, later on, the Geneva Convention came into being, which tried to establish some semblance of civilization, even within the context of wanton bloodshed. But again, at the risk of repeating myself, um, any war crimes committed need to be prosecuted. They also need to be prosecuted after a fair trial. And I take that line of thinking from my deep admiration for the Israeli justice system and what they did with Adolf Eichmann after getting him out of um, Argentina. They showed tremendous restraint and they did it the right way. Just my opinion. So I'm not jumping to any conclusions. And I also, again, even with the American government, folks, I don't take uh, a lot of what the American government says as gospel truth like I used to because too many things just don't add up over the years. And we could get into a uh, big discussion over November 22nd, 1963, but this isn't the time for that. At some point, David Pelavia and I will do a joint on that horrible day in history. Um, we have a lot to get into today, but uh, well, let's take some calls here. David in uh, California on WBEN, you are on the radio. Hello. Oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, I appreciate your uh, position on this. Uh, I work on energy issues out here in California, and a couple of years ago, 2019 specifically, there was a United Nations Committee, or excuse me, Conference on Trade and Development, and they published a piece uh, on the 28th of August, 2019, where they announced the discovery of oil underneath uh, Gaza and offshore oil uh, off the beaches of Gaza. And when you start hearing about this, you know, blow them to bits uh, kind of attitude, I take the position this is just another oil war. And if they... Uh, you know, if you remember how the United States treated the Indians, they packed them into reservations of the worst land. Well, that's what Gaza was until they discovered this oil. That was the most godforsaken uh, uh, desert. It was somewhere in between Egypt and, and Israel, and it was just miserable land that it was very difficult to survive on. And all of a sudden they discover oil, and they want everybody to move. So it's, uh, it, in my eyes, you know, keep your eye on the ball as to whether or not this is really another oil war. Well, as I've said, I do not know what the truth is. But taking a page from the Israeli justice system and the Eichmann trial, I believe that there is due process that needs to be followed in order for true justice to be done. And, you know, the irony, David, is the, is the fact that we're talking about oil war and the the oil industry is an industry that 
is, I think, you arguably on its way out in favor of hydroelectric, in favor of anything but fossil fuels. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward with respect to so-called oil wars in an era where oil becomes a secondary source of energy and solar and other modalities become the primary source. I'm not a big fan of that, by the way. No, I don't disagree, uh, but the the uh, markets of uh, of the surrounding area, uh, for example, uh, if Africa or Asia uh, want to use uh, much more oil, India, uh, the idea of just gathering it, shooping it down the Suez Canal uh, is is part of the plan. But I I don't. And, and by the way, uh, it's it's interesting when you start studying Eichmann as you were describing. It was interesting, though, as you were talking about Eichmann, it reminded me of Irgun. Uh, Irgun were the um, Menachem Begin was a member. Uh, they yeah. were the really hardline fighters uh, in post World War II, uh, early Israel, and they were actually trained by Mussolini. And so there are what most people consider moderate uh, liberal Jews, but these Irgun were the most vicious hardliners. And when you were talking about being able to convince, was it Scorsese, I think, Otto Scorsese, uh, about joining them, well, it was probably easy for Scorsese to be convinced because he was probably approached by Irgun. Uh, and the Irgun were uh, actually the, the way the, the let me tell you how they approached uh, Scorzani. Uh, Israeli intel sent a very good-looking man and a very good-looking woman to basically stalk Otto Scorzani and his very good-looking woman because uh, Otto Scorzani was, shall we say, a swinger, and so was his wife. And Otto Scorzani knew once they got back into the hotel room, he got the drop on the Mossad people and said, I know you're here to kill me. And using some very quick thinking, the Mossad people said, hey, if we wanted you dead, you'd already be dead. That's not what we want. We need your help. True story. And he also uh, allegedly received a letter from the Israeli government exculpating him from any criminal culpability uh, from the Holocaust. Well, it, it still fits with the Irgun issue. If you just yes, read yes. Uh, about Irgun, they were some vicious, and it, it kind of explains the background of Begin, of uh, Netanyahu, that these guys are more like organized crime. And when you look at the polling of Netanyahu right now in Israel, he is an 80 percent uh, disfavor. Uh, they want him to resign because his viciousness has led to this problem. And the idea that uh, if it is really an oil war, it would make sense that somebody like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Netanyahu and his backers just want to cash in. This, you know, I'll, I'll send, uh, I don't know if you've got a Facebook page, but I could send it over uh, this United well, Nations got, article. I've got, uh, I've got access to, to more information than, than I can count. I mean, look, what, when, when, you, when, you, when you talk about things like this, and you project into the future um, oil as a weapon at this point, I wonder to what extent it is going to be uh, a weapon in 50 years, given our situation where we're moving away from petrochemicals and into solar and into other modalities uh, for energy. 
I don't know if it's going to carry the heat that it used to have. What do you think? Well, I don't disagree, but that's for wise people, not talking about greedy people. This, <laughs> are, you know, this report claims it's hundreds of billions of dollars worth of oil, and that's the kind of lure that uh, the greedy will uh, will jump for, and causing a couple of million people to move out of a walled city or just blow them to bits so they can start oil drilling uh, is not unlike what happened in. Uh, what was it, in Iraq? Uh, didn't we kill 5 million children in the first Iraq war in the 1990s? Uh, let them starve to death. Uh, Iran was the same way. We let millions of kids starve to death uh, it, with the uh, sanctions. That's where that $6 billion comes from. The 40 years ago, the Iranian money was all sorts of different merchants that had money in bank accounts all over the world, and they were frozen. And then all of a sudden, uh, it, it, the money gets released, and it gets released to some centralized fund instead of the original merchants. So it's uh, it, it, there's been so much phoniness about uh, the reality of this I, I I just smell an oil war. David, I, I thank you very much for the call. Um, is it an oil war? Is it not an oil war? I, I don't know. I, I don't, again, this is one of those situations where I don't have the information, I don't have the evidence, and then compounding the confusion is the idea that uh, oil is so yesterday and uh, everything else, like electric, is so in the future. And I know, well, Tom, what actually powers the power plants that generate the electricity, and we know that that's uh, coal. But, uh, you know, the if you're just joining us, I mean, my, my bottom line is um, the immense respect I have for the way the Israeli government handled the trial of Adolf Eichmann. That was, to me, a template of how to do things right, how to make sure justice was done. And when I say justice, I mean true justice. And does it bother me that the Israelis assassinated those responsible for the Munich massacre? Okay, they got at least one target wrong, uh, which is obviously terrible, but uh, they basically selectively went after those who were in charge of murdering Israeli athletes. And you might remember being a little kid and watching it on TV. I remember being a little kid watching it on TV and absolutely mortified over what I was seeing. Uh, but the 1960-ish Israeli template for Adolf Eichmann, it worked then, and I think it was sound logic. I think it was sound justice. And in the future, if war crimes have, in fact, been committed, I think the Eichmann template should be used in the future if you really want justice and transparency. And, look, I don't support anti-Semitism against Jews. I don't support anti-Islam against anybody. Um, anytime you bundle a group together and you uh, decide to uh, hate uh, a group you just you run into real problems with logic and common sense it is uh, 259 at news radio 930 wben it is bowerly with you on a friday uh, more calls coming up we're going to get into some other stuff as well trust me we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.